0: CEOs are in the business of making decisions, and it's the outcome of those decisions that define their success. Hi, I'm Sam Ree, CEO of Vistage. For more than 65 years, we've engaged with more than 100,000 executives on this twisting leadership journey that we call a life of climb. Join me on a life of climb podcast to hear firsthand stories from CEOs about the challenges they've overcome and the lessons they've learned along the way. Listen to a life of climb wherever you get your podcasts or at Vistage.com slash podcast.
2: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence.
0: Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G A R T E N, hashtag S G N. 855, the number four, G A R T E N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicates which we are in over a hundred places across the country. That's how you can hear us. Guys, we have a lot to get into today. Obviously, the first thing I want to bring up is Damar Hamlin. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him. Um, uh, Just real quick, I mean, I'm sure that that we have been, as a sports community, just absolutely shaken by this and talked about it. Uh, There's nothing I can say to bring a new light to this uh, other than, you know, it really is a, a pretty crazy situation that we all witnessed right i mean uh, the immediate just reaction of it right away was just uh, just absolute stunned silence uh, i i went into the back my wife was sleeping and i said i just i've never seen anything like this in a sporting event in my life it just felt different looked different and obviously it was different um i will say this look uh, this show is designed uh, on a sports betting mindset right we are supposed to be your escape from the real world uh in a lot of ways that's what i'm designed to do and and we will do that here um but but just just stop with the negativity of how the nfl handled it how uh you know some morons out there that tweeted this uh handled it how your fantasy league might have handled it how, j- just forget all that forget all that right i mean uh, the sports books, I know Jeffrey Benson took a little flack because uh, even the sports book seizures, my money was in seizures. I had a couple of prop plays on, on Buffalo. Nothing was settled that night. Nothing was settled even going into the, the next day, right? I mean, nothing was settled. So you look at it and you just say, people doing the best that they can in this situation. We're all. Obviously, only and solely and 100% focused on uh, the, the young man, 24-year-old young man's health, his family's health, of course. But there the other things that do impact our lives, and they are trivial, but they do, like our bets or uh, our fantasy leagues or uh, just playoff seating or whatever you might have been thinking at the time. Look, it'll get taken care of, but there's no reason to be negative about how they handle it. Look, I want to sit back and bash the NFL for saying, hey, they're going to go out there in five minutes and play. But I don't even know if they knew the levity of the situation, right? So I'm trying to have, which I normally don't do in a lot of life situations, I'm trying to have some patience here. I'm trying to have some compassion for um, not uh, just obviously the family and, and the players, but also people that are making the decisions. These are not—we often get into, and I don't mean to preach here, but we all often get into situations when we're dealing with sports betting, uh, just fans, uh, fantasy, and everything else. We, we don't realize the emotions behind these these players. Uh, we don't realize that they are human beings. They, they seem like just players' names all right, on a piece of paper. They seem like just uh, almost robotic in a lot of ways. Uh, They are human beings. But guess what? That also goes for the decision makers in the NFL. It also goes for the decision makers on on television and and fantasy decision makers and sports book directors out there across the country. And even at the highest of the highs and the tops, and no matter how much money you get paid, it's still a tough situation. Nobody was prepared for this. So just take a breath. I know it impacts you for those that uh, that are out there, Um, but everyone's doing their best. And while we sit back and have the patience to to realize that, just realize that you know what? At the end of the day, it almost means nothing. It really does uh, compared to to what that family is going through and what they will go through. Now, with that being said, I still have to put on a show. And I, I understand if you're not in a full sports mode, but this is what I have to do, right? I'm gonna put on a show for you today. I'm gonna tell you how you can make money this week and how we could kind of um, you know, move on as a collective society while still believing that we can have thoughts and prayers and, and keep our heads up um, and donate to his foundation and everything else. But we can continue with the NFL because they're going to continue whether you're a part of it or not. So that's my, my stance on this. It is a tough and a challenging week to put together a show, a football show about football um, and kind of, uh, no matter what I say, it's going to seem like I'm overlooking the major topic, but but I'm not. Um, but I do have to put on a show and, and move on. So we're going to do that. Now, as we move on uh, with this conversation, let's also talk about Week 18. And, and from now on, the rest of the show is going to be, be talking about football itself. Week 18 is the most challenging week in the NFL to make a bet on. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. There's a lot of motivational factors that could be there, could not be there. There's a lot of information that's out there this week that is disinformational. We don't know, and we're not sure. There are coaches that, as of Wednesday, were, were basically, yeah, I mean, I'm going to start a guy, but you don't know if he's going to start for a series or not. I liken it to, the, to the, the preseason. A lot of guys like the preseason. I can't stand it. I like the most information at, at hand at all times. About half this league has already been eliminated from playoff contention, okay? Uh, You got about a couple of teams out there, you know, a few teams out there that have clinched their playoff seedings, and why would they start anybody, right? So this becomes a really tough week to go out there and sit back and handicap. And there are going to be some games I completely breeze over because of those kind of handicapping questions where we don't know. Now, we may know Sunday morning, and maybe it's an advantage. There's some smart really good people out there that could get a good advantage on Sunday morning uh, because, okay, well, this guy's starting, he's not going to start this. That's great. But as of right now, we don't have that advantage, right? I mean, that that we just don't. As far as the Buffalo and Cincinnati conundrum and the game and the whip, look, I don't know any more than you do. And I'm not going to speculate on that uh, or, or try to outthink the sports books and try to outthink the league on it. No, no, no. No, we're just moving on as if The game was pushed back. It was what it was. It was not played. So we're going to move on. With all that being said, let's take a look at the playoff pictures, right? So right now, Kansas City has become the Super Bowl favorite. Why? Because it seems like that game won't be played, which means it seems like the the Bills are not going to be that team. So it looks like Kansas City is going to get home field throughout. I mean, that's, again, if KC wins this week. Buffalo has to go out there, In what is their mindset going to be? They're going to have to go out there and play a game against New England. Cincinnati also has to go out there, probably not as affected, but, hey, still affected, obviously. They're going to have to go out there and try to play as a as a number two seed, so Buffalo could fall all the way down to a three in this spot. Meanwhile, there are a couple of teams alive for the number seven overall seed. New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh all still have a shot. Okay? New England, it's simple. Win. And you're in. Win against the Buffalo Bills, which is a tall task, but win against the Buffalo Bills, and you're in the playoffs. This team that nobody wanted to talk about, this team that, oh, by the way, would already be in the playoffs had they not uh, tried that weird reversal, throw it back against the Raiders, right? Uh, And they win that game. Yet this team, win, and you're in. And it's a team that I'm going to be honest with you. I know the term, I don't want to play that team, is the team no one wants to play is overrated. But not with the Patriots. Uh, Going up against Belichick, going up against a top-five defense, going up against a good running game, nobody wants to play them if they get in. Dolphins. Look, the Dolphins have to beat the Jets. Neither one of these teams have won since December began. The Dolphins have to beat the Jets. But the Dolphins are at home. They do have a third-string quarterback, so that's a problem. But they also need New England to lose. Now, New England is more than a touchdown underdog, so there's hope there. Pittsburgh, they need to beat the Cleveland Browns, which they have a history of doing so. Then they have to get the Dolphins to lose, very possible, and the Patriots to lose. So Pittsburgh's door has not really been shut. And then obviously we have the Jacksonville-Tennessee matchup, although Jacksonville can still squeak in even if they lose. If they lose, they're going to need the Steelers, Patriots, and Dolphins all to lose, which again is not a crazy scenario. In the NFC, it's a little easier. Look, Philly wins against the Giants, and they're almost a two-touchdown favorite. Philly wins against the Giants. They are in. The Giants are already locked into the sixth seed. They have nothing to play for a year, okay? And Philly's at home. Here we go. That would also put Dallas as the five seed and kind of just fix everything. Now, if Philly loses, the San Francisco 49ers can get the number one overall seed. They'd have to beat Arizona. They are a big favorite against Arizona. The Cowboys can earn home field. With a win over Washington, that seems likely, okay? They're almost a, a touchdown favorite there. And the Eagles have to lose, doesn't seem likely. And the Niners have to lose, doesn't seem likely, right? So I don't think that the Cowboys are in a position to get the number one overall seed. Philly, it's all look, it's almost all but wrapped up because the Giants have nothing to play for. But it is still a division game. If not, it will be the Niners. And then there is the seventh seed is up for grabs. And it really is just flat out up for grabs. The Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks, and Detroit Lions all can grab this spot. The Packers, they host the Lions at Lambeau. Basically, this is win and you're in. Okay? Green Bay wins, they're in the playoffs. Green Bay, oh, we rode off. Green Bay was terrible. Green Bay this. Green Bay wins, you're in the playoffs. The Lions win, you're yeah, not necessarily because Detroit needs to get a loss from Seattle. So if Seattle beats the Rams and they're a touchdown favorite there, Seattle needs to win and the Lions and then Seattle needs to watch the Lions beat the Packers, but the Lions might not have anything to play for. So everything's lined up for the Packers here. I mean, that's just the way that that it really does look for where we're sitting with the playoffs right now. So let's start right with the the games here. And again, if I'm breezing through some of the games, it's just because they don't mean a lot. We will get into the bigger games later on uh, during the show. Okay. So let let's let's jump right into the games that let's be honest uh, are a little ho hum, a little bit uh, of a yawn fest here. Um, things that that even even if it's potential playoff teams, generally speaking, it's kind of oh well, right. A a team uh, and a a game that you look at and you go, I'm not sure if this is going to be a game that anybody really cares about is the Chiefs and Raiders. Look, the Chiefs have to win, right? But they're nine and a half point favorites, okay? And the Chiefs are, are, are the over-under is 53. The Chiefs are trying to make that number one seed, and it looks like they're going to be able to get there. Now, the Raiders, look, they have a weak run defense, but the Chiefs are going to throw on everybody. It doesn't matter. Uh, Look, the Raiders showed a lot. Last week with Jared Stidham under center, they looked good at that time. Um, but the Chiefs are 9-1 the past 10 games against the Raiders. It does need to be said, though, that the Chiefs, since Patrick Mahomes has come into the league, and really over the last two and a half or three years, the Chiefs have been absolutely horrendous against the spread. And Las Vegas lost by a one-point game, 30-29 in the first meeting. The Las Vegas Raiders are also 4-2 against the spread as an underdog. And the Chiefs are just a bad Big favorite team. If this gets to double digits, they're in a terrible double-digit team. Then you have the Raiders, right? They are still starting Jared Stideman. Maybe he just took people by surprise last week. They they might start Jacobs. We don't know about Devontae Adams. I would assume that they do. Uh, but the Raiders are still a team that is trying to figure out how to win and try to hold leads. No team in NFL history is is worse at holding a lead. They have, including their, their Week 16 loss, the Raiders have now lost five games this year where they've led by 10 points or more in the second half. It's an NFL record. It's absolutely ridiculous what this team and the futility, we should say, of this team and, and how they do. Uh, Eagles, like I said, they're 13 and a half to a 14-point favorite over the Giants. Again, another game. It does have plenty of implications to it, but do you really want to go out there and bet this game? Uh, Eagles need this game badly. Right? They have to hold off the Niners. they got to hold off the Cowboys. They need this game badly. Jalen Hurts, we're not sure if he's coming back, but it looks like he's going to be expected to play. He should be okay. He's had a long time off of his right shoulder injury, but they, they, we're not even sure if Jalen Hurts is going to play. The Eagles are in a position where I think that they're waiting to see who the Giants are going to play to see if, if Hurts plays. And think about it. Hurts might play... Uh, for a half, a quarter even, right? If they get up to a decent lead and the, you see, well, there's no Daniel Jones, there's no Saquon Barkley, they pull out, uh, you know, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, and all of a sudden the Giants are pulling people. Why would they start in the second half? This is why it's a tough matchup to go against and really kind of make a, a bet on. Look, Philly won the first matchup 48-22. These are two different teams coming into this one. Like I said, Giants, they might rest everybody. They are locked into the number six seed. Brian Dable has basically said, oh, I might start people we don't know, who knows, you know. Uh, look, there's no reason for it. There's just no reason to show anybody anything to risk your players getting injured. Now, Philly is 1-2 and two against the spread when they're favored by 10 or more points. We also know that, look, they, they looked bad against Jacksonville in the year. They looked bad against Houston when they are favored by double digits. Philadelphia is just not a good double-digit team this season. And this is still a division game. With that being said, you also have to think about the Eagles defense that has allowed 30 points per game the last two weeks. Not a good defense right now where they sit. So, you know, these are big spreads, and it makes sense that the team is going to win, but they are both division games. They're both division games where we don't really know who's going to start, how long they're going to be in there, what the coach's philosophy is going to be. It's hard games to handicap this week. Really hard. Here's another one, Falcons-Buccaneers. The Falcons are a three-and-a-half-point favorite here, guys, right? Now, Buccaneers are in. They don't have any reason to do anything. Now, Todd Bowles has said, I will play my starters, but then came back and admitted, well, I, I might not play them the whole game. <laughs> right? I, mean, I will play my starters, but maybe they won't see the third quarter. Right? I mean, this team has been just beaten up by injuries all year long. Offensive line injuries all day long. You have a 45-year-old quarterback. uh, Defensive injuries all the time. Look, they are locked into the number four seed. There's no reason to play Tom Brady. There's no reason to play any of the key players at all. There's no reason to play that defense. There's no reason for it. Uh, Desmond Ritter, you know, doesn't instill any confidence into anybody. It's not a guy that you really want to go out there and, and, and say, okay, well, this is this is a player I'm banking on. This is a player I feel comfortable with my money. No, but the Falcons run the ball. And the Falcons might just drain the clock. And I, look, I think Atlanta at home, they want this win. They want to get uh, Ritter a big win under his belt. Even if it's a skeleton lineup, hey, you're beating a playoff team. There's a lot of motivation for the Atlanta Falcons to go out there and to win this game. There's a lot of motivation for the Atlanta Falcons to go out there and play really well. There's almost none for the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, they had their premier game. You go in, you get healthy. And, and once you're healthy, now it's a crapshoot. Once you're healthy, all of a sudden, well, here you go, right? I mean, all of a sudden it's it's here you go. Um it is a spot where the Tampa Bay Bucks know if they are healthy, if if they are healthy going into the playoffs, they can be a dangerous team. They have the greatest player of all time in the NFL, the greatest uh, quarterback. He's playing coming off of a great game. Mike Evans is coming off of a great game. Their defense coming off of a great second half. Uh, They are at home, they know how to win, and they have to be realistic about the idea that you look at the NFC and you just say, it's a wide-open NFC. I I don't know if anybody particularly scares them. Look, the Niners are a scary team, and I guess Philly's a scary team. But who else is a scary team? Right? I mean, who else is there? Is Dallas really a scary team to you? No, certainly not to Tampa. No, it's not a scary team to Tampa. Are the Giants... Are the New York Giants a scary team to Tampa? No, Tampa would love to face the Giants in the first round. Are you kidding me? They would love it. Now they're not going to get Green Bay, San Francisco, or Philly, obviously. So you're talking about you know the 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 Dallas Giants kind of uh, one-two situation there for the, the four seed because you you look at this and then you go, okay, let's just let's just go by what is reality here. Philly's probably going to get the number one seed overall. Okay, uh, which means the two seed will go to San Francisco, um, the three seed. Uh, will then go to I, I guess Green Bay and then the four seed uh, uh, presumably Green Bay or I mean uh, Minnesota, and then the four seed uh, will would go to Tampa Bay, which means you have Green Bay more than likely getting in. Maybe it's a Seattle, but it, but it's Green Bay, Seattle, Detroit kind of seven seed. Um, and, and you look at this and you go, okay, well that seed is going to take on San Francisco, right? So so the last seed is going to take on San Francisco. Then you have the Giants, and, and it looks like it's going to be the Dallas. I mean, there are, things can, can work themselves out, but that's what it's looking like. And I don't think anybody—I don't think Tampa Bay is intimidated by anybody. Uh, even if it was Philly and San Francisco, they might be a little nervous, but I don't think they're intimidated, and this is a spot where just get healthy. And getting out of this game healthy, by the way, is as much of a confidence builder as anything else for this team because you get out healthy, and you know how dangerous you can be. All right, let's take a quick time. out Come on back. Lots more to do, including the rest of the games and the games that actually are important and you can make some money on this weekend. All that and more right after this, right here on Wagering Week.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet Three Six Five. Twenty-one plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to wagering week with Tom Barton. I bet you twenty bucks I can get the gambler before the
0: end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're out. Right. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, what are the odds? We're going to talk about Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year is always pretty interesting to get into before the year. So, what are the odds here? Nick Sirianni is plus one twenty-five. Kyle Shanahan is two to one. Brian Dable four to one. Doug Peterson ten to one. Zach Taylor twenty to one. Dan Campbell forty to one. That is what are the odds? Now, I'll tell you. You know, this is interesting. It's always really fun to kind of look at the coach of the year before the year begins and see where well, the money's coming, Dan Campbell was getting more money for coach of the year before the year than anybody else. And we we kind of chuckled about it, right? Because I said, even if Dan Campbell, and my, my, my argument is holding true, my argument was even if Dan Campbell makes the playoffs, right? And he makes the playoffs with nine wins, is he going to win it over a coach that wins 13, 14, 15 games? And, I mean, it's playing out right here. Dan Campbell at 40-1, to one, I mean, the fact that he is the inside the top six for Coach of the Year, that's a huge accomplishment. But they'll tell you what the difference is between, hey, you've done a good job, and we think that he's done a good job at actually sitting back and getting Coach of the Year honors because Dan Campbell at 40-1 to one is still a long shot. Zach Taylor, I mean, you could argue it because of what he's done recently, but he hasn't even won the division yet. Uh, the defending Super Bowl champs, I, I don't think there's any chance him. I, now, the top four, I have my own arguments about. Nick Sirianni, I get it. He should be plus 125. He has navigated through what I consider a very easy schedule. I liked them before the year. He's going to win the award. His odds, by the way, were as high as 4-1 uh, to one just about a month ago. A- and now all of a sudden, is plus. Uh, he was minus 400 um, a-, a couple of months ago about a month and a half ago or so. Now it, the field has kind of caught up with him. I think Sirianni's going to win the thing, but I wouldn't give it to him. Kyle Shanahan at 2-1, you have got to look at Kyle Shanahan and say, how do you not vote for him? I mean, honestly, he's on his third quarterback. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo is one, but he's on his third quarterback. And really, I guess the GM should be it because he went out and got Christian McCaffrey, which might take away from it. Brian Dable at 4-1. to one. How do you not vote for him? How do you not vote for the Giants making the playoffs with this roster, him coming in, and then Doug Peterson at 10-1? to If the Jacksonville Jaguars make the playoffs, and you told me before the year the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to make the playoffs and Doug Peterson is not going to win Coach of the Year, I'll call you nuts. Now, I don't think he's going to win it, okay? But it's really a crazy situation for Coach of the Year. All right, guys, let's continue with the games. Let's go to Dolphins-Jets. Dolphins are about a two-point favorite at home. They're going to be on their third-string quarterback, it looks like. Look, Tua looks like he's going to be out. Concussion syndromes just continue to bother Tua. And right now, I I think we really do have to worry about the long-term future of of his career at at this point. Teddy Bridgewater is dislocated finger, doesn't look like he's going to play. And, And look, both of these quarterbacks were out and the Jets absolutely humiliated this team in week five. Now, it was a different situation, okay? Like I said, I, week five, I was sitting in a Las Vegas Casino watching this. I, I like the Dolphins. I am sitting next to my Dolphin uh, fan wife, and we're going, okay, look, it's Teddy Bridgewater. No problem. It's Teddy Covers, baby. I love it. Bridgewater goes out, gets hit in the end zone, like, w- within minutes, okay? And now we're dealing with uh, Mr. Skyler here. And, and Schuyler Thompson's not a bad guy, but, uh, look, they weren't ready to just assume he was going to get thrown into it. Now they have a little bit of games under their belt with Skyler Thompson. Dolphins have had a five-game losing streak, but, look, both of these teams since December began are 0 8 Okay, they're both 0-8. They both lost on New Year's Day. They both look like Locke for the playoffs, and they both look like locks that they won't make the playoffs. It's a tough game to go on. Look, the Dolphins are at home, and they play better at home. Um, I think that they want some revenge here. They are still a pretty good running team, and Mostert has been running really well lately. But the Jets' defense is good. I think the Jets, and especially Mike White, have something to prove. Robert Salas still has something to prove. This is a young team. Young teams in Week 18 have something to prove. They still are out there fighting hard. They're still out there trying to impress for next year, especially a young developing team like this. Miami and the Jets, one of them is going to end off the year on just an absolute spiral downhill. It's hard to bet against Miami at home in a chance where they still do have a playoff hope uh, but you look at this New York Jets team and you go, I don't know. You know, they're a dangerous, dangerous team. They're a dangerous team with a dangerous coach and a dangerous quarterback uh, that wants to win this job as far as motivation goes. So uh, this is another one that's a tough to, tough one to go near. I touched on at the top, okay, uh, about DeMar Hamlin. Uh, and now we have to get into the sports implications. Real-life implications, I, I touched on it. Okay, nothing could be more tragic. It is absolutely horrific what happened on the field. But now we go into the Buffalo Bills playing at home, minus 7.5 against the Patriots. I don't even know where the players' minds might sort of be. I don't know. I don't know how this team can take the field. I don't know how this team is going to react at all. In any way here. I can't even give you a scenario where I sort of know or I sort of think. And here's the thing. I don't think that the Buffalo Bills know. I don't believe that the Buffalo Bills as a team, I don't think that each and every Buffalo Bill on that team, can look at themselves and have any idea how they're going to react. I don't think Sean McDermott knows how this team is going to react. How can you? You've never been in a position like this. You're not prepared for this. You're not emotionally or mentally prepared to deal with something like this. And then it could go take the field in a game that could mean positioning in a game where your opponent is your rival in a game where your opponent is your rival at home in front of all of those people that are going to be uh, the, the Hamlin conversation is going to be first and foremost, as it should be football is going to seem so secondary here and your opponent needs this game with every fiber. In their being, I mean, they absolutely have to have this game to make the playoffs. Uh, the Bills have to be looking at this like, look, this is this is just a, just a game. I, I I think the Buffalo Bills are a, a much better team. The line was 10, ten ten and a half. It's down to seven and a half. I think because the sports books don't even know what to do with this game. They have no idea. You, you know, from a from a, a strict standpoint of a physicality of, of your body, didn't get to play an entire game, but mentally. It's like you've played 100 games in in, in a three-day span, right? I mean, mentally, these guys got to be spent. Absolutely spent. So it's hard for me to break down this game, and I suggest to staying far away from it. Patriots are pushing for a playoff spot. We know that. Josh Allen has absolutely dominated Bill Belichick. Um, you know, the Bills have won five of the last six meetings. All of that is inconsequential as to where do you think the heads are of the Buffalo Bills? They can't be in a good spot. They can't be. And I don't blame them. Now, you can argue that maybe they'll rally here. Maybe it'll be, um, you know, a win-one-for-the-Gipper kind of Hamlin type of thing. You saw Stephon Diggs on the sideline trying to hype his team up when they believed that the NFL was going to send them back out there. Yeah, maybe. But you also watched, after Stephon Diggs did his best to try to hype his team up, you watched the players to walk away from that huddle with their distraught feelings and their minds and their faces, and you watched that. I don't know what kind of mental state the Buffalo Bills are going to be in in this game. I have no idea where Buffalo... I, I it, There's a large piece of me. I know you can't do it because of the Patriots. There's a large piece of me that wants the NFL to just say, you know what, Buffalo? Take the next week off. You, you know, take take the time you need. Take take the week off. There's a large part of me that believes that that might be the right answer. It's not going to happen because there's too much money at stake, obviously, uh, for the league to to do something like that, but I, I almost want them to do that. So for me to go near this, I can't go near this. I can't. If there was no situation that happened last week, I'd be all over Buffalo to win. I I, I would think that Buffalo would go in there, you know, win the division. It would be get the number one overall seed. It would be a great feeling in, in Orchard Park. There's nothing that's going to be good feeling-wise in Orchard Park at all. No, not, not at all. Even if we get great news from, from the Hammond camp, which we have, Okay, midweek, we got that his vitals were looking better, and people seemingly being a little bit more encouraged. That's great, but it still doesn't doesn't stop the fact of what these players witnessed, where their heads might be. I, I, I think that this is a game you just stay far away from, guys. Do not try to get cute with this game. Do not try to uh, perceive what you think you know, how they might react. No, stay away from this game. Vikings, Bears, game, here we go. Vikings are three and a half, maybe a four-point favorite, depending on where you're looking here. And we don't know who's starting for either team. Vikings don't have a lot on their line. Look, they could get the number one overall set. I mean, there's a lot of coulds here, but generally speaking, they're locked into the number three. Uh, they're going to be, uh, be behind the Niners. They would need... All kinds of stuff to happen to move up here. They're, they're the number three seed, okay? The Vikings, then, why would they start anybody? They could sit down Kirk Cousins. They could sit down Dalvin Cook. They could sit down Justin Jefferson. They could sit down a ton of players. And I expect a lot of them to sit down. First of all, why would you play Kirk Cousins, number one? Dalvin Cook. He's got a good backup in Madison. Justin Jefferson, no reason there. Make KJ Osborne the number one. Uh, sit down Thielen as well. I, I can see the Vikings really sitting down a lot of players. As far as the Chicago Bears, the Bears have lost nine straight games. Uh, the Bears have a weird outside shot if they lose this game and getting the number one overall seed uh, if for the number one overall seed for the draft, right? So, you look at the Chicago Bears and you go, "Why would you let Justin Fields play?" As a matter of fact, I made a plea on YouTube to management: Do not let Justin Fields play. Don't let him play this game. Um, I, I don't see any upside. For the Bears to be playing their starters. I don't see any upside for the Vikings to be playing their starters. Now, I mentioned that the Bears might get the number one pick in the NFL draft. That's because the Titans play the Colts. Colts are a two-point favorite here. Uh, the Texans, they could lose this one. Uh, they could win this one. And Wait, hold on. The Texans can win this game and lose the number one seed, right? I mean, wouldn't that be the, the most Texans thing that Texans could happen? Texans have been playing really well. And Lovey Smith wants to play well. He doesn't care if it's a number one or a two seed. They feel like, well, it doesn't matter. Chicago's not getting a quarterback anyway, and we are. So maybe it actually is a sense of pride to win a division game against the Colts on the road. You look at the Colts, they're down to their third string starting quarterback. It's going to be Sam Ellinger, it looks like with all the the injuries to Matt Ryan and the benching of Matt Ryan and the situation with Nick Foles and he was writhing in pain and Thibodeau is doing snow angels. I mean, okay, Jeff Saturday, he's trying to end his probable coaching career is going to end here. He would like to end that with a win. I don't think Jeff Saturday is ever going to coach again uh, as a head coach anymore. He's certainly not going to be the Colts' head coach next year, and I don't think that he's done enough as an interim to get anybody else to bite in any capacity. As a matter of fact, the Colts have been outscored 97-16 to 16 since halftime against their Week 15 loss to the Vikings. They came out, they looked good. All of a sudden, people were on Jeff Saturday's side, and then, bam, they hit a wall, and they hit a wall, wall pretty hard. How about Panthers-Saints? Saints are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I get it that they're at home, but I kind of feel like the Panthers are the better team. I kind of feel like the Panthers, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be the season that almost could have been. Look, they lost their best player, Christian McCaffrey. They traded him away, but they lost him. They lost their head coach, and now Steve Wilkes has come in, and he looks good, right? I mean, you're going down here. You're going, we're not even talking about uh, our starting quarterback. We're not bad. Now back to Sam Donald after going to Mayfield, after going to our third string, and now we're back to... You're talking about a team with three starting quarterbacks losing your best player, trading away your best player, I should say, uh, losing your key defensive guys for injuries during the year, and changing coaches, and they had a chance to make the playoffs last year. I know it's a terrible division. I know their record isn't great, but the Panthers are still fighting, and they've been fighting all year. The Saints have won the last three against the Panthers. They've owned them in recent past. And New Orleans, look, they are over five they They're 4-3 in the Dome, which is they, they've always been. The Panthers are 1-6 on the road. I kind of like the Panthers plus the points here, but it's really sort of a toss-up game one way or the other. Cowboys, Washington Commanders. Cowboys are a 5.5-point favorite here. Ron Rivera has decided he's going back to Taylor Heineke. Um, I don't know if it matters. He said it's going to be Heineke there, there's not going to be Carson Wentz. He, it's going to be Heineke, but he might give Sam Howell a chance to play. The beat reporters in Washington are saying that Sam Howell is not ready to play. I liked what I watched in Howell in college. I was a big fan. I had a couple of guys actually come on here over the course of the last couple of years and talk about Sam Howell down in, from North Carolina, uh, raving about him. I think he is a starting NFL quarterback. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but why would you not give him a shot here? Cowboys beat the Commanders by 15 points. Carson Wentz was the starter back in week four when that happened. Dallas has won the last three meetings. Dak Prescott looks like he's on fire. The offense is on fire. Uh, Dak Prescott has completed more than 70% of his passes in each of the last three weeks. Now, he's thrown a couple of interceptions, but that is uplifting for them. Chargers, Broncos, Chargers a three-point favorite on the road against Denver. This miserable season for Denver just needs to end. I mean, the Denver Broncos have been absolutely pathetic since week one, when I bet against them, by the way, against Seattle. Uh, the Chargers are locked into the number five seed. There's no reason to really uh, for them to do anything here. By the way, not only are they locked into the number five seed, they are going to get as that number five seed, they're gonna get either Tennessee or Jacksonville, which the Chargers will be favored in. Even on the road, the Chargers are going to be favored against Tennessee or Jacksonville. Tennessee is going to be dealing with a second or third string quarterback. Jacksonville is still Jacksonville. People don't buy into them. The Chargers are going to be favored. So why go out there and start anybody that is a possibility? I'm, I'm sure Khalil Mack will sit down. Why give Joey Bosa even extended reps when he just came back last week? You've got to protect your franchise, and the franchise is Justin Herbert. But after that, Keenan Allen's been banged up all year. Why risk him? Mike Williams has been banged up all year. Why risk him? Uh, You look at a guy like Eckler. He's had injury history in the past. Why? And you're the Chargers, and you know the injury bug bites you harder than anybody over your your career. Why go out there? Could be a game that Denver kind of steals it. Russell Wilson walks off and says, hey, get me a new head coach, and we could do things next year. Rams, Seahawks. Seahawks are six-and-a-half-point favorites. They got to win. Seattle wins this game. Now, the Lions won't play until the night. Seattle wins this game. They got to hope that the Lions can upset – the Green Bay Packers, in a game that might not mean anything to the Lions, but there is some hope in Seattle. Seattle is 4-4 four and four straight up at home this year, so it's not the great home field adventures that we've seen. But the Rams are still the Rams. It's a divisional matchup. McVay doesn't want to lose against Pete Carroll. I get that. Baker Mayfield on the road, though, not so well. He's averaging about 120 yards per pass in the last two road starts. That's not too good. Cardinals, Niners. Niners are all the way up to almost a two-touchdown favorite against the Cardinals. Niners still have a chance of the number one seed. Look, it's an outside chance because Philly got, has got to lose, but if they lose, here we go. Brock Purdy is unbeaten. Brock Purdy has stepped in. He's exactly what Kyle Shanahan likes. He's unbeaten. And the Niners, as a matter of fact, they are unbeaten in nine consecutive games, nine straight games. I don't think the Cardinals are the team to knock them off, especially on the road. Cardinals are 3-3 three three against the spread of the last six-game losing streak. So, look, They've lost six in a row, but they're 3-3, three and three, so they could keep this thing close, maybe. I think the Niners, you know, get out to a big lead. It's a matter of do they take their foot off of the gas. And you start to look at the San Francisco 49ers, and, and when this kind of went down, when, when Christian McCaffrey was signed on, we all jumped on and said, okay, the Niners are a good futures play. The Niners are a play that we want to jump on to win the Super Bowl. It's a weak NFC. I think we saw the writing on the wall that nobody in that NFC West was going to be a competition. I think we saw the writing on the wall that this is Tom Brady's susceptible year. I think we saw the writing on the wall that nobody bought into Minnesota. And it looks like a collision course between Jalen Hurts and San Francisco. But then... We watched Jimmy Garoppolo go down, and then Brock Purdy came in, and there was another buying opportunity for the futures play for San Francisco. If you wanted to buy in, there were multiple buying opportunities for San Francisco. That is long and gone. People are buying into San Francisco. People are buying into Brock Purdy. San Francisco is now garnering the most futures bets over the last two months than any team in the NFL. Over the last month, the San Francisco 49ers are getting like 80% of all future Super Bowl bets out of the NFC. People are all over this team. If you hadn't already jumped on them, people wanted a piece of this team. I get it. It, it is down the road. We're talking about the future. Now let's go. Back to the future. We're sending you back to the future.
2: Okay, all right. Bet back to,
0: the back to the future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. And I'm looking at season awards here. There's not much left to bet on because a lot of these things have been decided. Patrick Mahomes right now is minus 600. Some places he's as high as minus 750 to win the MVP. Looks like he's kind of locked that up. Offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson, is about 700, minus 700, to win offensive player of the year. Sort of have locked that up. Defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, is nearly 15-1. to Uh, minus 1,500 to lock that up. And by the way, we gave that out before the year began. We gave out Nick Bosa to win defensive player of the year right here. Uh, comeback player of the year, some of this is still up for grabs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's plus 125. Geno Smith is plus 125. And Saquon is 225. Offensive rookie of the year, this was still a coin flip as well. Kenneth Walker's minus 110. Garrett Wilson's plus 150. And you can get him at plus 175 if you want to take a shot at that. That is... Bet to the future. Now, a lot of the stuff is locked up. Um, a lot of these, these guys and these awards, they do get locked up pretty early. Uh, I, I definitely told you guys about Justin Jefferson. He was my pick before the year, but my official pick was Nick Bosa. And it looks like we're going to cash that ticket, which is pretty, pretty nice. I didn't give a comeback player of the year. Um, I, I may have given a lean, but we didn't play that selection. All right, let's go back to the games. Ravens, Bengals. Again, here we go. I don't really know what the status of the Bengals mindset is here. I don't think it's it's as devastating as the Bills, but the mindset is is going to be, you know, a little off. And Zach Taylor, this is this is gonna be a rematch potentially of the first round of the playoffs. So Zach Taylor, what does he want to show? What does he want to show this Baltimore team? Um, what does he want to do here? I, I know that that the Cincinnati Bengals are in a spot where they're looking at bigger, better things. Baltimore is as well, but Baltimore needs this game, right? They're hoping to have Lamar Jackson back. This is an offense that has averaged under 11 points over the last four games since he's been out. They want to get that confidence back. I think it's important for Lamar to start here. I do. Uh, The Ravens' defense, by the way, has been absolutely fantastic. You can argue that over the last month of the season, since Lamar Jackson's been out, the Ravens' defense has been the best defense in the league. They are allowing... Just 12 points per game over the last five games since Jackson's been out. So they step up. And remember, Jackson really didn't have a lot of time to spend with Roquan Smith, who is seemingly their middle-of-the-field leader right now. Baltimore did win the first meeting 1917. But you look at the Bengals and you go, was that more of a fluke than anything else? I think that you got to look at this Ravens defense and you go, man, this is that dangerous team. If the Ravens defense can play at this level when Lamar gets back, and Lamar can be what we know Lamar can be. This is a dangerous team, but this is a dangerous game because we don't know if Lamar is going to look like Lamar when he gets back. We don't know if the Baltimore defense is going to be torched here by Cincinnati. We don't know if Cincinnati is going to play, guys. How much? What is their playbook going to look like? A dangerous, dangerous game, but I do lean the Ravens plus the points just because of how this defense is played. And before the year, look, I tell you guys all the time, I made a play on the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl at 25-1 to odds as soon as the Super Bowl ended last year. I thought that they would be the team. Then I started not liking the idea that Lamar Jackson didn't have a contract. I didn't love my bet. I wasn't happy with it. And Before the year began here, I still had that play, and I said, you know, I know they're going to be a dangerous team. It kind of depends on how Lamar's contract situation pans out because I didn't know how Lamar was going to play. Now Lamar's gotten injured. He's got a lot to prove in the playoffs now. All of a sudden, that 25-1 to ticket is looking pretty good. You have a really tough AFC. I get it. But this defense, if this defense can play like this and Lamar comes back looking anything like the Mar that, Lamar that we know, oh boy, all of a sudden you have a recipe for upsets all over the place for a Baltimore team that could turn around, not only win this game, but roll on and be sitting there in the Super Bowl. Browns, Steelers. Steelers are about a a two-and-a-half or a three-point favorite, and I just don't understand why the line is so low. I just don't get it. For the second straight year, the Steelers are going to need a miracle here, okay? But we watched it. Look, they got a miracle last year. In 2021, they needed a nearly two-touchdown underdog Jaguars to upset the Colts to get into the playoffs. That's what they did. Steelers got in, okay? This year, the Steelers need to beat the Browns. They need the Bills to win and the Jets to beat the, uh, the Patriots, The Bills and Jets to beat the Patriots and Dolphins. If that all happens, Steelers are in the playoffs. And again, another team. I was screaming before the year how much I like this team, how much I was into this team. Oh, here we go. I like the Steelers because under Mike Tomlin, they just don't lose, guys. They've never had a losing season, in 15 seasons under Mike Tomlin. Okay? The Pittsburgh defense has now stepped up. And the Steelers have won five of the last six games. Pittsburgh's defense is holding teams to 17 points or fewer in six straight weeks. That's huge, okay? The Steelers' defense is just different. The Steelers' team is just different with T.J. Watt on the, on the field, and I've said this time and time again. When T.J. Watt is on the field, in my opinion, T.J. Watt is the best non-quarterback in the NFL, best player that's not a quarterback. He's the most impactful. When these two teams met back in Week 3, the Browns won 29-17, T.J. Watt was not there, okay? When T.J. Watt plays, in weeks that he plays, the Steelers are 7-2 this year. Steelers are 7-2. Not only are the Steelers 7-2, but they're giving up fewer yards per game. They're giving up 286 yards per game with Watt, almost 100, more than 100 yards more without him. 17.2 points per game with Watt, 25 without him. How about sacks? 25 sacks in nine games with T.J. Watt, eight sacks. In seven games without him. T.J. Watt starting this game. T.J. Watt is going to be the catalyst in this game. I can't see any reason. I'm sorry. I can't see any reason here to not jump all over the Steelers. I don't understand why the spread is so low. I don't get it. I don't buy into Deshaun Watson. I'm not buying into this Cleveland team. And by the way, Cleveland, they've lost 19 in the last 20 in Pittsburgh. They don't beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. That doesn't happen. Cleveland never beats Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. So, the the Tomlin factor of getting over 500, the playoff factor sitting in front of them, T.J. Watt on the field, the defense playing as good as it is, Kenny Pickett's been stepping up recently. I have no reason at all to not jump all over the Pittsburgh Steelers here. All right, let's go to what potentially could be the game of the week, and that's Lions-Packers. Packers Packers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. It's going to be the Sunday night game. But this game also could mean almost nothing for the Lions. If the Seahawks beat the Rams, and we just talked about it, they're nearly a touchdown favorite, that eliminates the Lions. And I know that Dan Campbell will still want to go to Lambeau and win this game. And I know that, that Dan Campbell's a guy that he will motivate his team to try to get up for this game. But in the back of their heads, if they're eliminated, how, how can you bet, how can a serious sports handicapper sit back here and bet this game without knowing if it means anything to the Lions? You can't. You just can't right? I mean, the line will go up considerably if the Seahawks win. I expect the line to shoot up to nearly a touchdown because then the Lions don't need anybody. Okay, it is what it is. Now, the Packers defense is in a good groove here. They looked really good. And you go, well, but Jared Goff has been great this year. Jared Goff has been fantastic. 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's been great. But I've said it all year long, and I've used it as a joke with, with, uh, in regards to just bet Jared Goff, if he's at home, Over one-and-a-half touchdowns. On the road, under one-and-a-half touchdowns. And it's not a joke. He's got 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions this year. 23 out of those 29 touchdowns have come at home. Seven games on the road, Jared Goff has six touchdown passes. He's also got four picks, by the way. Lions are under 500, three and four. Okay? Then you start to look at, wait a minute, Jared Goff and cold weather. Oh, I know. We always talk about cold weather, right? It's going to be cold in Lambeau. Jared Goff in cold weather is atrocious. It is atrocious. When the temperature is under 35 degrees and he's the starter, Jared Goff has five interceptions and four touchdowns. That's, that's not good. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that is, is absolutely not good. And some of that, by the way, came uh, you know, in mop-up time. And the reality is, is that Goff threw a couple of three touchdowns that almost meant nothing. Then you go to the other side. And you go Lambeau Field. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is 28 and 4 in December and January in the regular season at Lambeau Field. With Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are 18 and 1 in December and January in the regular season at Lambeau Field. I talked about this last week. It's unbelievable. Okay. At Lambeau Field, overall, 29 and 6 straight up, Matt LaFleur since 2019. The Green Bay Packers simply do not lose regular season games at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay Packers rarely lose division games at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay Packers, and more specifically Aaron Rodgers, does not lose primetime games at Lambeau Field. I don't care if the Detroit Lions need this game to get in the playoffs. I can't see Detroit winning. Now, this would be the flag in the Dan Campbell coaching regime. This would be the moment of moments. Detroit Lion fans out there, if you are a Detroit Lion fan and you're one of those guys that are going, you know, we've had futility forever, this could be the moment to change it all around. But you're betting against a lot of history there. Jaguars open up, in my opinion, as a surprising six-point favorite here. I've liked the Jaguars for years. I had the Jaguars to win the division before the year began. I had the Jaguars to go over their wins total before the year began. I had Trevor Lawrence to win the MVP before the year began at tremendous odds, okay? I love the Jags. I love Peterson. I like what I'm seeing out of out of uh, Trevor Lawrence. This doesn't shock me. But the six points does shock me. It's a division game. The Titans need the game. And they got a lot of rest, right? Now, the Jaguars won four straight. The Titans have lost six in a row. So they're going in opposite directions. But the Titans, they haven't played since last Thursday. They rested everybody in that game. So they get extra, extra, extra rest. Now, they are going to have to start, start Josh Dobbs, who I think is better than Malik Willis at this point. And Derrick Henry is going to be able to run all day long on Jacksonville, or so you think, because this Jacksonville team, they always get run on by Derrick Henry. But Jacksonville's run defense is allowed an average of 75 yards rushing. Hey, that's pretty big. And Derrick Henry coming off of a hip injury. Oh, that, that, that could be a problem as well. Now, Trevor Lawrence, let's get into him. He threw for 368 yards in Week 14, beating Jacksonville. Uh, beating Tennessee in Nashville. Jacksonville piled up 36 points in that game, and that ended Jacksonville, who was on a six-game losing streak in the series. Not only that, but Trevor Lawrence has been absolutely fantastic. The second half of the season, you could argue that my MVP doesn't look so bad, okay? Doesn't look so bad. But the Titans and Mike Vrabel, I've talked about it time and time again simply out of this world as an underdog. As an underdog of five points or more, the Titans are 11-4 against the spread, 8-7 and seven straight up. They won half of their games when they are an underdog. If you're betting against Mike Vrabel, you're losing money. I mean, it's just that simple. And now this is a chance for Derrick Henry, a rested Derrick Henry, and Mike Vrabel to sit back and get into the playoffs against a Jacksonville team that hasn't been there. Look, I like Jacksonville. I'm rooting for Jacksonville, and I think Jacksonville wins the game. But I can't lay six points in this spot, not until I see Jacksonville really become that team. Really become that Jaguars team. By the way, if Jacksonville does win, I like them plus the points against the Chargers. The opening line for that is already looking like they're going to be plus money. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Again, a tough, tough week in the NFL emotionally for all of us. For all of us. Um, But really, if you're somebody that prays, pray for the Hamlin family. Pray for Demar Hamlin. Uh, pray for for you know everybody that's close to him. Uh, I'm hoping that we see encouraging news over the course of the week. Football is seems secondary right now, but we are going to march on to Week 18. And I hope you could get some enjoyment out of Week 18. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.